The plot, at first glance, wouldn't make a blockbuster movie. But the strapline, no one would have believed the outcome of a small action being transformed in such mega proportions to not one life, but many people's lives. Now that's a blockbuster movie. However, I want to feel, spend a moment on that subtitle. We should be mindful of what we sow. The word of God, as, sown, as a sown seed, holds great power. There are, of course, many other seeds sown daily. Guard against them with perseverance and the strength of God. This poem by Dorothy Law Nolte begins with a list of negatives and the resulting outcome. I'll read the first half now and finish it at the end. As I read this, this poem, change the words a child and he to I. If a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If a child lives with fear, he learns to be apprehensive. If a child lives with pity, he learns to feel sorry for himself. If a child lives with ridicule, he learns to be shy. If a child lives with jealousy, he learns what envy is. If a child lives with shame, he learns to feel guilty. These feelings and behaviours can be openly displayed or inwardly exercised. Either way, the personal outcome is bleak. Criticism to condemnation, hostility to fighting, fear to apprehension, pity to self-pity, ridicule to shyness, jealousy to envy, shame to guilt. By getting to grips with God's love for us day by day, by really taking it on board, by applying what we know, by surrendering to our God, by receiving his blessings with humility, by responding to his free gift of love, leaves little room or foothold for the negative seeds that surround our daily goings-on from taking root or having any influence on us at all. That's the ideal. So, the parable of the growing seed. He, Jesus, also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Here are the three parts of this parable. One, the man casts the, soil in the seed in the soil. Two, said man goes to bed by night and gets up by day all the while the seed is growing three he employs the sickle to gather the ripened crop this parable is found only in the gospel of mark it follows the parable of the sower so at first glance it would seem it's an extended story of the seed that fell on good soil however this man is scattering seed and it doesn't know how it grows. 
In the sower, Jesus was planting his seed and being Jesus, the author of all things, would know how it grows. Therefore, there's a strong indication that we are in fact the person sowing. The seed is the word of God and we are called to plant that word of God. Farming is hard manual work. On the other hand, sharing God's word with other believers is mostly straightforward. It's based on the fundamental understanding that Jesus is God's son, he died for our sin and was resurrected so that we might have everlasting life. So even if we have differences of scriptural interpretation, our salvation isn't jeopardised and our faith stays true. However, it's daunting to share the word with someone who doesn't hold this truth or God's word means very little or even nothing to them. I only speak for myself when I say I often forget the power which leads me to wonder if I even have enough confidence in it. I forget the power of God's word. I have a desire to copy the man who sows with surety, confident that the seed will do its thing. By studying the Bible and attaining spiritual growth, becoming more familiar with who Jesus is and what he stands for, would go towards giving me the boldness I require to share his word in the wider community. If you're like me, I can't pluck meaningful texts from my head to fit into the person before me's frame of reference. God is subtle and elegant, I'm not. I'd love to give you a list of scenarios to look out for so that you can be on the alert to spring into action and pow, with God's word, rescue them, save them. If only it worked like that. We could perhaps listen out for inadvertent Bible references from them while chatting and lead on from there. Many everyday quotes come straight from the Bible and lend themselves to opening up further discussion. Nothing too intense. We don't want to come across as a ranting loon now, do we? Here's a few tiddlers to work with that might inspire a bit of boldness in you in the twinkling of an eye is in 1 Corinthians go the extra mile is in Matthew 5 united we stand divided we fall is in Matthew 12 the blind lead in the blind Matthew 15 cast the first stone is found in John 8 It would be good to caution ourselves at these opportunities and not mistake our own self-righteousness with God's righteousness. That would be very off-putting indeed. Part 2 says the man went to bed and got up. All the while the seed is grown without any input from him. The passage bypasses the fertilising, weeding, watering and overall tending of the seed. I wondered why. That is, until I discover that in verse 28 it says the soil produces grain by itself. The the soil. From blade to head to grain. So now the focus of the story has moved on from the man to the soil, the recipient of the seed. A seed won't do very, without soil, won't do very much in the way of growth. 
In fact, it won't grow at all unless God causes it to. The word of God, by its own virtue, has the power to burst out, as in germination, and grow to maturity. This This Bible and this seed hold the potential for amazing positive transformation. We do not create that conversion, but by reading and studying the Bible regularly, we can develop and align our minds to attain the best growing conditions that nourish and sustain the word of God all by his grace God's riches at Christ's expense we all operate through God's grace although he never violates our human freedom his living waters quench our parched spirit his light illuminates every step we take to prevent us from stumbling When we speak his name, we are nourished. So the more we have of him, the more we can give of him. Again, this works wonderfully well when we're all in agreement from the outset. But what about the soil that's never received seed? The person who's never heard the word of God in a relevant way? Our actions and behaviours are evident. They reflect our love for Jesus. But as this parable suggests, and 1 Corinthians helpfully says, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 to 7, Paul says to them, What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants, through who you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed... Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. It takes the heat off a bit, really. We don't need to have a target on whereabouts to share the word. We don't need a specific care plan for the word. And we, through grace and favour, can look forward to the harvest. Like the soil, we receive the word and it grows within us. Christians know his word is good. And not only that, we know it contains the potential to cause huge changes within the person who receives. The transformation is not down to us. We are called to share his word, share fellowship and encourage and support each other but the growth within each individual is God's work. He's given us an equilibrium with each other, almost like a codependent communion, if you like, where we share God's word, share our understanding of it, encourage each other in that understanding, and grow to to maturity as a result. We shouldn't, 
as an individual be just the sower any more than we can increase our knowledge and understanding of God and not share that. As we have received God's word and belong to this or any church fellowship, having faith and not do anything about it in the way of service, praise or sharing fellowship would be similar to the man chucking in the seed and walking away. Sure, it would grow, but if we're committed to sowing seed, then it follows that we should be committed to caring for it. On the other hand, messy church held at the village hall could be seen as scattering the seed in sowing God's word. When I'm greeting the families and saying goodbye to them at the end, I really want to know if they've been affected in any way regarding Jesus, God or the message. The 1 Corinthians scripture helps me to be confident that any growth is through, his, is through God and his grace. Also, the rate of growth has nothing to do with me. It's not my concern. It's his business, not mine. We do, however, promote our local churches so that people from Messy Church know where to find Jesus and explore him further if they are moved to. Now, at the end, when the seed has grown and has ripened to maturity, it is ready to be harvested by this same man. The barren soil, by virtue of the seed, has been transformed into a fruitful field. It can be harvested now by us. That's the good news. The seasons don't affect the timings. We can sow the word at any time, word of God at any time. We can harvest at any time. In John 4:35-36, Jesus said to his disciples, "Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage." and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. It's encouraging, isn't it? Jesus is drawing our attention to the fact that as God has caused growth that's led to maturity of his word, so we can reap this harvest. We just need to open our eyes and see it. People's lives have been turned around through the word of God, so much so that they've gone on to achieve huge things for the kingdom of heaven. Charlie and Sharon with MFA is a classic example. In John 4, Jesus is instructing us to open our eyes and see the more subtle evidence of growth and maturity. Take time to consider this. We may not feel we may feel we're not where we want to be spiritually but we've certainly moved on from where we used to be Christian you've grown congratulations we are blessed and in return we are a blessing let's be sure to congratulate each other for our maturing growth as Lisa pointed out last week Jesus has many attributes and we in him means we have them also. That's fragrant. How might others perceive our spiritual maturity? Godly love jumps out automatically. 
uh, 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 7 Love is patient, love is kind It does not envy, it does not boast It is not proud It does not dishonour others It is not self-seeking It is not easily angered It keeps no record of wrongs Love does not delight in evil But rejoices with the truth It always, always protects Always trusts Always hopes Always perseveres In Acts 1 verse 8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in Ephesians 3, 16 to 19, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is what Christian growth is about. Let the Spirit of the Lord take full possession of your heart. Be transformed from one stage of glory to another higher stage of glory. Christian, never doubt your value in Christ. Simultaneously, we are the farmer, we are the soil, we reap and we are the harvest. Through all this, our Lord, Lord God's word is the seed. I'll end by reading the final part of the poem. Again, change the words a child and he to I. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns to be confident. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with praise, he learns to be appreciative. If a child lives with acceptance, he learns to love. If a child lives with approval, he learns to like himself. If a child lives with recognition, he learns that it is good to have a goal. If a child lives with sharing, he learns about generosity. If a child lives with honesty and fairness, he learns what truth and justice are. If a child lives with security, he learns to have faith in himself and in those about him. If a child is with friendliness, he learns that the world is a nice place in which to live. If you live with serenity, your child will live with peace of mind, with what is your child living. I'll end with this question. Christian, with what are you living? I'd just like to close the prayer. Let's pray.